0: In
1: today's episode, we open our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 19. From the unique inheritance for Simeon to the maritime tribe of Zebulun nestled along the Mediterranean coast, to the territories awarded to Naphtali, Asher, and others, we witness the intricate design of God's promises being fulfilled. In today's chapter, as we navigate through these unique allotments, we not only gain a geographical understanding of the land— but also unearth profound spiritual insights. Good morning and blessed Pentecost. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about their translating and publishing work on their website at lhfmissions.org. My guest for this morning is a regular contributor to the show. He's going to help us look at all of these divisions. It's the Reverend Dr. Curtis Dieterding. He's the pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Good morning, Pastor Dieterding. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Show. How, yeah, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm better than I deserve. The Lord's blessing me. I pray that the <laughs> same is for you. How are things going for you and your, the saints there at Zion?
0: It truly is the same here for us as well, and uh, of course we're we're finally enjoying a little bit more cooler weather down here, so that's nice. And uh, you know, it's the it's the it's the weather that the snowbirds come running down here for, you know. So it's uh, very pleasant, kind of the way it is up there in Minnesota in the summer, you know. So it's really it's really going to be uh, nice here over the next few months. We're, we've so far dodged all the hurricanes, so that's been good.
1: Well, that's good. You've had your fair share. You know, I love colder weather, or actually I should say cooler weather. Fall and early spring are my favorite times of the year, and that's where we're at here in Minnesota. It's just chilly enough to need a light coat, but uh, but not so cold that, you know, it's what you think of when you think of Minnesota. Right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And I also yep. love being down in Florida pretty much any time of the year, but, yeah, especially in those cooler seasons. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, yeah, we also, tech... we'll,
1: we'll... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to move on and say our text for today is, well, it's one that's filled with a lot of names, (laughs) lots of hard to pronounce, at least for us Americans, especially this American from the South. So, you know, it's I'll do my best today. Just my little disclaimer at the beginning, but lots of names, lots of territories. It's good if you have a map out, especially if you have a map in one of those Bibles that shows you the territories or you can Google one up. I think that would be helpful. But either way, even not, you know, it's not just about the specifics of where they ended up. It's really about God keeping his promises. And we're going to talk about what that means for us today. So I'm glad that I have you here to help us navigate it. Uh, Anything else before I ask you to uh, lead us in a word of prayer?
0: Um no I think I think just I, I agree with you. I mean this is a history. You know this is a, a major history of you know the transition from uh you know the whole wilderness journey into into this country of Israel this this area that they're moving into now and um you know just how God comes in and sets sets up shop for his people. I mean it's just it's uh you know chapter after chapter of how this all took place and and we're right in the midst of it yet so
1: absolutely so, yeah. well <clears throat> well we're going to get into that would you go ahead and lead us in a prayer so we can dive into 19
0: absolutely gracious god uh, as we study this word here in Joshua we understand that indeed you have a plan and sometimes our plans get in the way and actually sin against you. We see that time and again here, even when your people are not following your plan, as you have asked them to. We pray that we would learn something through all of this, that uh, indeed uh, you do have a plan for your people to uh, bring salvation, to uh, to have them live in your presence forever. Let us uh, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and all that he has done for us as we're walking through these pages to see indeed how this plan of yours for your people, Israel, uh, eventually becomes a plan for the new Israel, for us who now are on this side of the cross and believe in all that you have given to us in our dear Savior. Be with us, enlighten us by your Spirit that we might continue to grow in this faith that grabs hold of all the good gifts given to us through our Savior Jesus, in whose precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's dive right in. So when we last uh, were together yesterday, we talked about the inheritance for Benjamin, and really it began with the allotment of the remaining land after it was allotted to Judah. And now we have the rest of those who haven't already received their allotment, and we begin with Benjamin, and we continue today with Simeon. Here we go. The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the people of Simeon, according to their clans, and their inheritance was in the midst of the inheritance of the people of Judah. And they had for their inheritance Beersheba, Sheba, Molda, Hazar-shual, Balal, I'm sorry, Balah, Izam, El-Tolad, Bethul, Horma, Ziklag, Beth-Markaboth, Hazar-Susa, Beth-Lebaoth, and Sharuhen, 13 cities with their villages. Ain, Ramon, Ether, and Ashan, four cities with their villages, together with all the villages around these cities as far as Baaloth-Beir, Ramah of the Negev. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Simeon, according to their clans. The inheritance of the people of Simeon formed part of the territory of the people of Judah. Because the portion of the people of Judah was too large for them, the people of Simeon obtained an inheritance in the midst of their inheritance. And that's where we're going to pause at the end of verse 9. Well, I'm looking forward to you taking us through this, but I just have to say what stands out to me is we've already discussed at length that Judah received the largest inheritance, much pointing to its significance and importance and, of course, the future it will play in bringing to us the Christ. But then here we say, here the, the author reveals to us that, well, it's really too big for them. So Simeon, it doesn't even get its own territory. It just gets a smattering of cities uh, in the territory of Judah. Uh, I guess it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't, from a human point of view, it seems a little inconsistent.
0: Yeah, they seem like they got the leftovers. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that's, that, I guess that's the way I'm
0: saying it, right? So, so yeah, I mean, this, yeah, yeah, to go through this and not have a map, I mean, is really rough. But if you do, if it, just like you had mentioned earlier, if anyone has a map of that time, and you can get online, and I'm sure find, you know, uh, these tribes as they were set up there. Uh, in this in this territory that they're that they're referring to here, and of course Judah, uh, being there in the south, um, was the biggest of all of these uh, tribes. And uh, of course, just as you mentioned too, it, it also refers to, um, you know, the place where Jesus actually was born was within Judah. We know that Bethlehem of Judah, and. Uh, Actually, the Simeon, as you look at it, or as you see where these are all located, is close to what we have as Gaza today, um, where all the unrest is right now over there in Israel. So it's just, yeah, it's interesting to see how these uh, tribes have been divided out um, and where what where they occupy the land around the Jordan. Um, and you're right. Simeon is in right in the middle. I mean, it's just, if you were going to just look at the land, uh, it would be right there in the middle. Um, and the map, of course, I'm looking at does recognize um, the city of Beersheba. So uh, it's in the middle of that territory.
1: For those who happen to be followers of me on Facebook, and if you're not, you can find me. Just search for Phil Boo, B-O-O-E. I have posted a map for your benefit. So, yes, absolutely. We, we see here that the division of the land is significant. And really, you know, we mentioned earlier about the leftovers, but, you know, really God doesn't give us leftovers. He allots to us what we need. But even though Simeon is one of the 12 tribes of Israel— They don't receive their own distinct territorial inheritance. They get that territory within Judah, but it makes us – I guess it reminds us that we may not always understand God's ways. We don't always understand his reasonings behind how he chooses to distribute his gifts and resources. But we can absolutely trust in his wisdom and his fairness even if it doesn't seem fair to us.
0: And you know this isn't the first time in the in the book of Joshua. <laughs> I mean, you watch what the Lord is asking them to do and how to do it a specific way, and and uh, what what to do in order to defeat the kings and so forth. Um, some of the things that that they're doing it doesn't make sense. We don't understand why they need to do what they do, and so this doesn't this doesn't come as a surprise. God has His plan, just as I was, was praying in the prayer, He has His plan as to. Um, how the pe- his people are going to be uh, spread out throughout this territory.
1: Indeed. So, anything significant about what, how God did uh, in- give His inheritance to Simeon? I mean, do we know that this comes up? Do we see any evidence that this was? You know, we look at it now and we go, "Oh, wow!" But does does it? Do we know any time when this makes a lot more sense? Or do you have any insight on why God might have given them the cities and villages within the territory of, of Judah, more than, of course, what the Bible tells us here, that it was just too big for Judah?
0: So I can honestly say that when I was preparing for today, I actually uh, must have dropped the one before the nine, because I was actually uh, prepared for—because I knew it was going to take some some doing to really— Get back to these towns, these cities, these tribes to try and uh, see their see their connection here and there um, within the history, really, of Israel as well. So um, I'm not. I really don't have much more to input at this point yeah, concerning fine. Simeon.
1: Sounds good. You want to go on to Zebulun because we do have a lot to cover today. Let's do that. Let's do it. So verse ten. Here we go. Now it's the inheritance for Zebulun. The third lot came up for the people of Zebulun according to their clans, and the territory of their inheritance reached as far as Sarid. Then their boundary goes up westward and on to Marial and touches Dabelsheth, then the brook that is east of Jokaneum. From Sarid it goes in the other direction, eastward toward the sunrise, to the boundary of Chisloth-Tabor, and from there it goes to Dabaroth, then up to Japhia. From there it passes along to the east, toward the sunrise, to Gath-Hefer, to Eth-Kazin, and going down to Ramon it bends toward Nia. Then on the north of the boundary turns about to Hanathon, and it ends at the valley of Iftathel, and Katath, Nahalal, Shimron, Idalah, and Bethlehem, twelve cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Zebulun, according to their clans, these cities, With their villages, so Zebulun is the first of those remaining small tribes to really receive its inheritance, right? Because Simeon was kind of attacked on, right? So, so this section really just, uh, I guess, is a standard boundary and a city list. That's what we're going to see over and over again today. Just a standard boundary and then a list of cities. That's all we're going to get from the Bible today. Um, Now, it it does specify verse fifteen specifies that Zebulun gets twelve cities only five are named, either they've been dropped out of the biblical texts over the course of thousands of years, um, or, or maybe they just, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't significant at the time. But either way, uh, take us through Zebulun's inheritance.
0: So yeah, so you've got the clans here, um, and, and it's interesting because they are surrounded on all sides by, by different clans, uh, different, um, I, sh- I should say, the tribes. And so there's quite a description here when you when you listen to you know what's on the east, what's on the west, what's you know uh, the boundaries of uh, that surround them. Um, as far as the twelve twelve tribes here, uh, their position here is uh, among those right almost if you took all the different tribes, it was almost right in the middle above Judah uh in uh, in the in the uh at least according to what i heard you say here in this i was trying to follow that along uh, again uh, with some of the maps that i have here that they had at that time and uh so i mean that's very interesting that uh, they are one of several of the tribes that are completely surrounded by other tribes
1: yeah at the map that i've posted anyway It shows uh, Naphtali and Asher uh, elongated next to each other. And Zebulun's kind of right in the middle and then bordered by Issachar and Manasseh. Um, And so they are directly west of the Sea of Galilee. You know, just just mentioning the Sea of Galilee, I think, is something that's going to help us, you know, I guess, get some anchors into what's going on here. I mean, when we're talking about these places, these are places that still exist today. There are places that, as the news has revealed, are still being fought over today. Um, Now, the Israel that is there is not the same Israel as we're speaking of here, um, but we still have people fighting over the land, and sometimes it's as a result of fighting over what one group believes is their inheritance, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting for, as God gives out these these different boundaries— you know, we we get to connect them, as you said at the beginning, to the history of of God's actions in the world. And as important as it was for them back then, of course, you know, it's important for us to know that God kept his promises. But, you know, these inheritances were to point forward to a greater inheritance, which is the new heavens of the new earth, the greater promised land. So, So right. I think that's something that should probably be pointed out, especially in today's world context.
0: Oh absolutely. You know yeah and <clears throat> excuse me that this was uh up there by the Sea of Galilee is very significant as well because you know Jesus p- spent a lot of time around that particular area uh when he was here in in the world uh any anywhere from uh the area of even Zebulun on you know on over to the sea and all the way over to uh the Great Sea as it's called here on this map uh the Mediterranean there as, as and and a lot of traveling that had been done along the Jordan, you know, down through Jericho and, and into Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and on down. Uh, so uh, this land, I mean, they're, we're right here in the heart of where, uh, you know, Jesus would have had a lot of his ministry as well. And so some of these, uh, you know, the mountains, obviously, that are mentioned here uh, on the map, anyway, are still there today. The river's pretty much the same uh, as far as the names, um, I know that I noticed that the Sea is diff- is named differently than Galilee here in the, on this particular map at this time. So, but uh, yeah, there's there's a ton of history here that we could um, really you know mull over as far as you know where does this fit in the entire picture of God's plan for our salvation.
1: Now the Bethlehem mentioned here obviously Bethlehem is a name that uh, resonates with us because of Christ's birth but there are a couple of Bethlehems in um yeah. yes. in this region in in of course the area where Jesus was born um I'm not sure which one it actually is I think there's some scholarly debate on that do you have any insight yeah.
0: Yeah, I I don't have any insight because I noticed that if we're going by these maps, it's not it's not in Zebulun. So you know, and and according to I was really paying attention here to uh, what you were saying was surrounding it, and as far as the brooks and the and the and the different um, territories surrounding it, it sounds like it was more like I said by the Sea of Galilee, not down by uh, Jerusalem, the Bethlehem that we know where our Lord was born.
1: What are some reasons why we might not be able to have accurate maps today? I mean because even the maps I guess are really you know you have the idea of the artistic interpretation. Well, all the maps are really scholarly interpretations. I mean, some of these cities don't even exist anymore. Haven't for thousands of years.
0: Yeah, well there's a lot of guessing that has to go on. I mean, you you have to go by what is written in the text to see, you know, where is it in relationship to uh, different uh, lands, mountains, rivers, brooks, in relationship to areas and territories, and what they were called historically, what they were called during that day, um, what we call it even to the to this day. I mean, you, you, uh, we would never be able to guess what, where these places are by the maps we have today, obviously. But yet, uh, we get some kind of an idea. Uh, From the things that don't change, like rivers and streams and and mountains and and, uh, seas, uh, like the Sea of Galilee or that lake there. So, yeah.
1: Well, let's move on to the next one then. Uh, Let me pull up my Bible here. I closed it out. All right, here we go. The Inheritance (laughs) for Issachar. Verse 17. The fourth lot came out for Issachar, for the people of Issachar, according to their clans. Their territory included Jezreel, Chesuloth, Shenuam, Hafarerim, Shion, Anaharath, Rabith, Kishion, Ibez, Remeth, Enganim, Enhadah, Beth Pazez, uh, and Beth Pazez. The boundary also touches Tabor, Shesashuma, and Beth Shemesh, and its boundaries end at the Jordan, 16 cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Issachar, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. So Issachar, a very small tribe, receives a small inheritance.
0: Yeah, and you don't and you don't hear a whole lot more about you know this particular area or tribe. I mean, there's some, uh, but not as much as some of the others that you, uh, that, you that we hear of here. Um, you know, you get. You got sixteen cities with their villages, so I guess that would be their suburbs. Uh you have all of those sur- surrounding that particular area. It's which is just west. And again, see we have the we have the uh it says its boundary ends at the Jordan, so we we have a little bit of a of um an identification of the where it's you know, where it lands there. And that's about all we get. You know, out of this particular inheritance.
1: Yeah, and I think the only thing to note too is that it says the boundary also touches Tabor. Uh, that is not a city uh, typically. It's a mountain. Uh, I think that's just interesting to point out, and you talked earlier about the things that don't change. Well, Tabor right. is one of those things that doesn't change, right? It's still there. So yeah, I yeah. think we can pretty much confidently put this on a map, but again, that's pretty much all we're doing today, right? We're just figuring out where these places <laughs> are. All right, Correct. well, let's move on. As we approach the break, we're going to go into the inheritance for Asher, starting with verse 24. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of the people of Asher, according to their clans. Their territory included Helkath, Hali, Ash Akshaf, Ash, Ash, Alamalek, Amad, and Mishal. On the west, it touches Carmel and Shihor-Libnath. Then it turns eastward. It goes to Beth Dagon and touches Zebulun in the valley of Iftahel. Iftahel, pardon me. Northward to Beth Emek and Niel. It continues to the north to Kabul, Ebron, Rehob, Haman, Cana, and as far as Sidon the Great. Then the boundary turns to Ramah, reaching to the fortified city of Tyre. Then the boundary turns to Hosa, and it ends at the sea. Mahalab. Achzib, Uma, Afek, and Rehob—twenty-two cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Asher, according to their clans. These cities with their villages. Okay. So, unlike the previous description, though, we see that Asher's inheritance really isn't a, a like a big list of cities. Um you know, no. It just um sort of clusters of cities.
0: Right. Well it does mention that there are twenty two cities with their villages there, but that's that's about it. You've got um, yeah this is interesting because uh, when you look at even even when you look at the map of, of what the scholars say, I mean it's an interesting uh, territory in that it's up against the the, the the big sea, the great sea there. And you've got some significant places here you know it, it touches Carmel on on the west. And it turns eastward uh, toward uh, Zebulun, which we just had heard about. so we know that it actually is next to that particular tribe as well. But we also know note that whenever we go into uh, the scripture, um we find a little bit more about Asher and, I, and i'd be I would be remiss. Uh, not to mention that, because uh, there were some struggles that went on um with uh, i know that I know the story about Jezebel um uh, and king ahab there was some there was some uh history there uh, that uh was connected to um i mean I was looking in here to see did it say Sidon in here at all I know Sidon the great, yeah, as far as Sidon the great, and that was on that that was verse 28 Um, so that that is another uh, story that I could not give you the details of right now I just know that uh, those were connected to this particular territory and um, and, and what was significant about Sidon of course is that it was a pagan city it was a pagan area that um, yeah caused some trouble for the people and um, and You know, I mean, what culture today isn't living in areas and and places like that have the populations of people like that? You know, so, um, yeah, so that was going to be the challenge for the people there.
1: Yeah, we learned back in Judges chapter one that Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Sidon and these other cities. And here, you know, their coastal inheritance really gives them access to the Mediterranean. So they're really getting some primo Land, as you mentioned, Tyre and Sidon, of course, those big port cities. But you're absolutely right. If it comes to trying to apply this to us today, I think we have to remember that, that God will bless us richly, but sometimes those gifts <laughs> can um, certainly not lead us into temptation because the Lord never does that, but our sinful natures will often uh, you know, distract us from our obedience. We'll, we'll consider the gifts rather than the giver. And so I think we have right. to be on guard, uh, letting uh, by letting that happen, and, and being loyal to to the Lord. And that's, of course, what they were not. And as you so rightly said, caused them a lot of trouble.
0: Right, it did. It did. It, it, there was a, there was a lot um, of temptation, you know, and and that and that continues out throughout Scripture, you know. I mean, even uh, a New Testament warning is, is, you know, be careful who your friends are and who you're hanging out with because uh, they may tempt you to move away from the lord rather than to stay faithful to the task of bringing his law and his gospel to bear uh, in the lives of those who are really of the majority around you so uh... there's something to be said about peer pressure and uh... and even cultural peer pressure from people that uh... you decide that you're going to mingle with and so Yeah, and and of course, you know, in all of these tribes, uh, there was some of that. And, and of course, we... As, as you go forward into the Old Testament, there's more about all the trouble that took place with uh, having the false gods and the and the and the heathens that, that worship gods that were not the true God, and the, the mingling of the families of Israel and with those those uh, those different countries. So, yeah, it's it kind of reminds us that this is where things are heading too.
1: Absolutely. Well, I tell you what. It's just a minute or so early, but we're going to go ahead and take our break so folks can maybe go grab those maps, right? You're going to have a couple of minutes, but also be sure to listen (laughs) to these messages. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me this morning, helping us dig through all of these names and cities and places, is the Reverend Dr. Curtis Dieterding. He's the pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Now, before we get into the allotment for Naftali, which comes next, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us in God's Word. Remember, if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can send them to me by email at PastorBoo at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook. You can friend me there. Just search for Phil, P-H-I-L, Boo, B-O-O-E. Just give me a little uh, like there, and if we become friends, then you'll be able to see the stuff I post, which is right now I posted up some maps to help us through this, so if that's what you're looking for. Um, well, back to the Bible, brother. Um, we're getting ready to go into Naphtali, but I'd like to give you opportunity. Anything else we should know about before we move on?
0: Um, no, I, I was actually paying very close attention to you about this, your map there on Facebook, because <laughs> I know that I had not ever uh, asked you to be a friend there before, and I was just curious as to what the map was that you were looking at. But we can do that another day. I just tried to get on it, and... Um, just sent sent a friend request there but uh yeah i think that's i think that's very helpful uh, if if you have a map somewhere either in your bible or if you can get to uh the one that that uh, pastor boo is is telling you about here i think that that really helps us as we're trying to dig through uh these different inheritances here in the 19th chapter of Joshua
1: Excellent. Well, I did, by the way, I did go ahead and accept that friend request. Glad to have you as a okay. friend. I'm surprised we weren't already. All right. um, and <laughs> I was
0: too. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so. folks,
1: if uh, if for whatever reason you don't want to friend me, that's okay too. You can actually see it live. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Philboo, one word. You can see it. It's open oh, yeah. to the public. All right, so folks, we're going to get into Naphtali then, starting with Joshua 19, verse 32. The sixth lot came out for the people of Naphtali for the people of Naphtali according to their clans. And their boundary ran from Heleph, from the oak in Zananim, and Adami Nekeb, and Jabniel as far as Lekum, and it ended at the Jordan. Then the boundary turns westward toward Asnoth tabor and goes from there to Hukuk, touching Zebulun at the south, and Asher on the west, and Judah on the east at the Jordan. The fortified cities are Zidim, Zer, Hamath, Rakoth, Chinereh, Adama, Rama, Hazor, Kadesh, Edrai, and Hazor, Yiron, Migdal Horem, Beth Anath, and Beth Shemesh—nineteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Naphtali, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. Okay, there we go. So we've gotten uh, Nephtali's out there. And, you know, uh, if we're looking at the map, they're going to be, they're going to actually contain or have the Sea of Galilee, which at the time of <clears throat> this uh, allotment would have been called the Sea of Chenerath. And we've oh, mentioned that yeah. before as we've gone through. And they're right next to Asher. Uh, but <clears throat> uh, take us through this. In fact, we could actually go to Isaiah and learn a little bit about like this, I think. I don't know if you found that connection
0: um i I was looking at this because uh according to several of the different maps now that I'm kind of looking at because i'm i'm really i am really curious about the territory here uh we see that it actually um at least- just like you mentioned before the um, the scholars that are trying to lay these out um as far as where this land is actually located show that Neftali is uh on the west side, the whole west end of of uh this sea of you know actually that that's what we do call the Sea of Galilee today, but um it's really interesting to see just how that how that lands there. Uh and what they're doing with Dan, you know, it's it's interesting where that's at as well. Because you got mm-hmm. Dan and then you got uh this whole Manasseh area uh the Arameans over there on on the uh, on the east side, you know they're pretty vulnerable up there, you know when you think about it they're they're pretty vulnerable there on the north um and you know because they are one of the northern kingdoms so they've gotta they've gotta kind of guard the territory and so uh as far as any kind of an invasion uh they would be one of the tribes that that would be that they'd be the first to to uh, be fighting against the enemies, you know, on that uh, up there on that side, whereas whenever you look at, um, you know, Manassah area, you know, it's it's much bigger, uh, and it's just yeah, it's just interesting. It is,
1: uh, it really is, and and I think it's interesting too when, and I mentioned Isaiah when you consider Isaiah, and I'm going to take us to Isaiah nine, and of course this is a very very well known prophecy. Uh, he begins. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I'm not going to read the rest, although it's very worth reading again. But Isaiah prophesies the coming of the Messiah. Prophesize um, yes. the fact that the, the, that the Messiah will come, and he'll come. He'll come from this area, um, and that's the for us. To a child is born. That's what we. That's where we're getting this, and that's what's happening right here. Right, this land of Naphtali is the land mentioned that will receive a light, uh, and and of yes. course, this is that very fertile land of Galilee where Jesus would grow up and begin his ministry. Right. right.
0: Yeah. You. Yeah. We would find the 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 uh, city of Nazareth there. Off to the west of the Sea of Galilee, um, I've had the I've had the fortunate the privilege to be over there and to be able to see all of that and to, you know, experience you know uh, up there in the mountains where Dan is located, down to Nazareth, of course, and then they're surrounding all the all the towns around the Sea of Galilee that were of Jesus' day. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting area to, and, and it's interesting to where these lines are. Are being drawn, and yeah, it's actually walking hand in hand with um, other places within the Scripture that just uh, goes to show that uh, indeed uh, there's a lot of accuracy there too. You know, as far as where these places are and the events that took place there, the light that comes into the into the darkness of this world, the light uh, that comes and uh, in the in the person and work, of course, of Jesus Christ.
1: You mentioned earlier about the cities. Some are lost to history, some we know well about. But also I think it's worth pointing out that many of the cities that we find listed in Naphtali's allotment, pardon me, I think they have names identical to cities elsewhere. Right? We've already heard of Ramah in Asher, and Edrei uh, is also That's a true. town in that Transjordan, the city of Og and Kadesh. Um, that all appears in the allotment of Judah. But I don't think this should cause anyone alarm. No hay should be made of it because think about it. there. I mean how many uh, how many Parises are there in the world? Well, there's at least Paris, France, and Paris, Texas, so I'm sure there are more. Um,
0: <laughs> how did but, you know about Paris, Texas?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only other Paris I know. That was the worst example I could think of. But there are plenty of – I grew up in a town – in a county called Clay County. Well, there's like a Clay County in every single state in the there nation, is. I think. There is. So – so I, we, we see that too. You know these right. names really are for the benefits of historicity. It's the benefits for the people who are reading it of that days because they didn't have the uh, they, they didn't communicate in the same kind of accurate mapping that we do today. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that's important for people to remember. Well we can move yes. on to we can move on to Dan. The inheritance for Dan begins with verse 40. Okay. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the people of Dan according to their clans and the territory of its inheritance included Zorah, Eshtaol, Irshemesh, and Sha'alababim. Wow, let me make sure I spell that out. Wow. Right. Sha'alababim. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Aijalon, <laughs> yeah. Ifla, Elon, Temna, Ekron, Elteke, Gibbethon, Baalath, Jehud, Beneberak, Gathrimon, and Yarkon, or Jarkon, and Racon within the territory over against Joppa. When the territory of the people of Dan was lost to them, the people of Dan went up and fought against Leshem, and after capturing it and striking it with the sword, they took possession of it and settled in it, calling Leshem Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Dan, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. So, folks, if you've gotten, you know, maybe a little weary, some of just the lists of names, we got a little bit of a skirmish (laughs) right there, a a little narrative of a battle to break up the uh, monotony. But but yeah, so this is the inheritance for Dan.
0: For some of for some of you who thought it was called Lashem, you know, like, like who would have known that if you wouldn't have, you know, if they wouldn't have put this in here because there is a little bit of history actually uh, here to show that it was supposed to be another name or possibly another name, uh, but no, it uh, it ends up being the people of Dan, of course, uh, which is interesting. You know, you were just mentioning that you know there's there's different areas. Well, here's an here's a here's a tribal area called Dan. And we were talking about up in Naftali, up, up against Naftali, or right there in Naftali. It, depend, it depends. It, it, there's different scholars that show where the city of Dan up there is located. Um, some have it in, some have it almost in a territory in its own, some outside of Naftali. It's been kind of interesting. I've, I've been, I've been uh, looking at several different maps, and, and uh, it's been interesting to see uh, how these all land. But the one with Dan, of course, um, is again a, a little portion of it, it seems to be up against the Mediterranean Sea there, and and then it's surrounded uh, by Ephraim and um, also Judah, uh, and then uh, you know some of the cities that are mentioned there too. I mean, they, we we've heard of Joppa before, um, so. Yeah, that it's that's about all I have to say about sure. Dan.
1: So. Well, you know, in Dan's territory, and it mentioned already, like we had the little skirmish in there. Well, that's because their territory was was near those Philistine lands along that coast, right? The Philistines are coastal mm-hmm. folks, um, and they mentioned the ports of Joppa and Ekron. But then, of course, the Amorites also were pressing them into the hill countries. We learn all this from judges, and, and you talked about Lashem. Well, by the way, that's the only place in the Bible that that city is called Lashem. Right here, it's called Lashem. In fact, right. in Judges, the name is um, on it just escaped me. <laughs> oh no, a uh, Laish, Laish. So, so in Judges they call it, they rename it Laish huh. to Dan. Here it says Lashem. Now, okay. is this a scribal error? Very possible. You know, over time it just got a little transliterated a little bit. Um, at the same time, it could very well. Um, be um, just another name for the city. But what I think is interesting in terms of redundant, repetitive redundantness, is when the author, my inspiration, the Holy Spirit tells us that it's called Dan. And in case you were confused, that's the name of Dan, their ancestor. Well, yeah, we got that. <laughs> You're the tribe of Dan. But that emphasis here is important because, you know, the Hebrews were a, a history focused people. They name places after great events. They name cities after their own selves. Now, we do that too, no doubt, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel like especially nowadays, if I can get on my soapbox for just a half a second, I feel like we're we're trying to not only judge history – uh, recent and uh, uh, long-term history. We're trying to judge it and almost erase it or redefine it or try to judge the people according to our ways and not consider their ways. And there's a lot of erasure of history, good and bad, whereas thank the Lord that that was not the case in the Scriptures here, that we get passed on the history both good and bad. Uh, And Dan is a perfect example.
0: Yeah, it it is. And it's... uh... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't suggesting that Lashem was a uh, was one of the ancestors or one of the twelve, but um you know, they they are moving into territories and places where uh it had been occupied by other um other peoples. So yeah, so this is not totally a surprise yet here either. So well,
1: um, it should yeah, be noted that Dan well, I'm just, sorry. Just going to interject, but Dan actually wasn't really able to receive the inheritance that was listed here because of they couldn't conquer it enough. And I think that's that's the migration that we're talking about for folks who might be confused.
0: Right. And you may have you may have heard of the city of Joppa in the um, book of Jonah because this was the place that he fled to trying to trying to run away from the Lord and then you know leaving uh, that that harbor city you know to get on that boat and to go running away uh hoping to get away from going to Nineveh and uh you know calling down God's wrath upon that city if they didn't change their ways and and so if you if you if that sounded familiar that's the story uh that's probably most popular when it comes to Joppa
1: well and it's funny you should mention that and if you're interested in to learn more about Joppa and what happened there with Jonah Just tune in uh, this Wednesday, a week from now, and we're starting with Jonah. We're going to do Jonah (laughs) in two two episodes. It's a pretty short book. I don't think people realize how short it is, but it's we're going to do chapters one and two on Wednesday, chapters three and four on Thursday. So be sure to tune in for that. Well, back to our text for today. I say we wrap it up starting with verse forty nine through the end, which is verse fifty one, and this is going to be the inheritance for Joshua. When they had finished distributing the several territories of the land as inheritances, the people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. By command of Yahweh they gave him the city that he asked, Timnath-serah in the hill country of Ephraim, and he rebuilt the city and settled in it. These are the inheritance that Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers' house houses of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by lot. At Shiloh before Yahweh at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. So, uh, two actual different uh, uh, things are being mentioned in this last section. The first of which is that, well, they wanted to give something to Joshua. You know, Dan was the very last tribe to receive its inheritance. And so now Joshua, kind of like Caleb's special inheritance, he gets, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Joshua was also a faithful spy. But as a right. leader, and I think this is interesting, as a leader, it would have been inappropriate for him to ordain an inheritance for himself so the people right. do it. And I think – I don't know. I think that speaks to the character of Joshua. The Bible doesn't shirk back when when their leaders don't do things right, but here we have to give credit to Joshua. He didn't try to take any anything from the people, which would have been inappropriate, but they, out of respect for his leadership, just like Caleb – they give him a special inheritance that's amazing to me
0: yeah it, it is and you know i mean it just it would almost be expected you know because of the the thankfulness i'm sure that they have of these strong leaders and that uh, you know they're they're tightly connected with the Lord and bringing the Lord's word to bear in their presence, so there would be a high respect. You know, it's like uh, like an office um, that that they're holding uh, in respect to you know the prophet and uh, bringing that word to bear in the in the lives of the people. So uh, they are the leaders. They are the ones who have been called for that specific work, and you know the people are only responding. Because they know that their work that's been done among them, uh especially with Joshua here, has been the work of the Lord, and that um, they are he is really their connection he's their kind of their mediator uh so to speak, in between uh, them and and what God has done for them uh so you yeah, know they 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 i I see that this would not be an issue whatsoever with the people of God there.
1: Well, and, you know, I I did kind of phrase it as if they were purely altruistic. It also says that they were commanded by Yahweh to do this, right? So Absolutely. by command of that's Yahweh, insane. they gave him the city right. that he asked for. But at the same time, I don't want to take anything away from the people. We don't hear about their grumbling. We don't hear about any of that because, you know, yep. that's the kind of stuff the Bible often tells us. So I definitely right. see here a parallel to today, maybe even some advice to leaders today I mean he led in such a faithful way that when it came time for him, and he's getting old in years as we're as we're going to see in a couple chapters. You know, it uh, – all this process, and I think it should also be noted, it doesn't just take a minute. <laughs> They're not just sitting there going, okay, that's it. Everybody have fun. We'll see you later. I mean it's going to yeah. take 40 years for what, what we're talking about today to actually be right. fully divided up, and it really never is fully. So, So no, the no fact that they – yeah, the fact that they honor him, though, I think is certainly something we want to illustrate, especially with it being October and it's Pastor Appreciation Month, Church Worker Appreciation Month, right? We try to appreciate the leaders and those who serve us in the name of God. And you know how hard it is, folks at home, you know how hard it is for your pastor or your DCE or DCO or your deaconess or whoever, do you know how, how hard it is for them to get up and kind of point to all the things that they've been doing for you? I mean, they just can't do it. it it's it's against most of their natures. And That's why I think it's incumbent upon you. Be like the people here, right? You you know, be sure to show some appreciation, not just a, you know, a, uh, oh, uh, here's some cupcakes, but, you know, go to their Bible studies, uh, show up for worship, receive the Lord, be there for them. That is the most encouragement that you can give your church worker. Just figured I'd slip that in because it's such a great opportunity to do so.
0: So the members that are of Pastor Boo's church, I hope you're paying close attention to what he's saying here. Because
1: <laughs> that's right. I want one you, allotment you, of you, land. Yeah. yeah. I, want, I want an inheritance yeah. right there yeah, give somewhere. Me, give and... me an acre out behind the, one of the <laughs> Fick farms now. That's what but, I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? It, it is funny, though, because you know that's what I see, though. We we see leaders, even in the Old mm-hmm. Testament, where you know they are very bold. And and St. Paul is one who is bold in the Lord to tell them, hey, I'm your leader. But I got to tell you, that's just, it is really, again, most people who are in positions of leadership in the church are ones who are really self-abnegating. They're serving you. They really love the Lord. It's so against their nature to get up there and say, hey, look at me, look at me. But anyway, before it gets way uncomfortable for me, thank you, Pastor Dieter Ding, why don't we uh, look at 51 So it sums up the whole sort of section that we began really with chapter 18. And so it says, these are the inheritance that Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and all the elders. They're distributing by lot. Maybe remind the people as we come to the close of the show what that distribution by lot's looking like. We talked about it yesterday, but Eleazar is the high priest and he's the one who's, he and Josh are on orchestrating this lot. But I guess that would be at, at the tenta meeting, and it's basically like pulling straws. I, I don't know. I, I, there's a couple different explanations. I didn't know if you had a, a view on what that lot looked like.
0: No, I, no, I, I, I did not. You know, because you know, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to just really get, dig into a lot of this. But when I first saw that word while you were reading it, I'm thinking by lot. You know that that there is some uh, way, some fashion where. Uh, you know, you always hear the lot falls to you or the lot falls to to whoever. Um, it's done. You know, yeah, like uh, just like as we would uh, draw straws. You know, <laughs> they you would pray about it, and it would all be done really uh, through the through through the Lord's spirit is what you would pray as people of God. You, that this is where they would remain connected. But that's the way I looked at it. I don't know what. What are some of the ways that you've heard that you said that there, that there were some other opinions
1: about that? Yeah, and, and honestly, I'm not a. I can't remember all of them either. But there was some that they would um, put things in a bag and they would pull them out of the bag. There would be oh yes uh, something mm-hmm. like a dice. There would be even the mm-hmm. the use of the urim and thurim, or which we don't even know how that really worked either. I, I think mm-hmm. the emphasis is probably less on the method and more that the process they used was a process which which i guess the skeptic might say is involving chance but in this context it's very clear that the chance well god had his hand on the scales this was giving an opportunity especially when you're dealing with something like well who's going to get the really hard to to cultivate land and who's going to get the fertile valleys who's going to get the mountains that's going to be hard to settle on and who's going to get you know the beautiful mediterranean coast well there had to be some, I guess, uh, buffer between them and the distribution. So the Lord, of course, is involved. And then that's why the lot system was used. Uh, And sometimes that leads to a conversation of, is that appropriate for us to do today? And that can end up in pretty interesting territory. Um, I think for the most part, though, the Lord's will is clearly revealed to us in his scripture, not a lot of lot taking needing to happen. But in this case, they did it in such a way that the Lord has the final say.
0: Right. Right. And, you, and like you said, I mean, this didn't happen just in, you know, overnight as far as the drawing of the lines on all of these different places and exactly, you know, where everything lands. But um, it also, you know, we get a little taste of that, too. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of building and a lot of everything uh, to get these cities up to par and uh I like verse 50. There it says, by the command of the Lord, they gave him the city that he asked. You know, Timnaf-serah, in the hill country of Ephraim, and he rebuilt the city and settled in it. So, I mean, he he went and actually rebuilt the entire city, and uh, because that's where he wanted to live and. Uh, you know that that didn't happen overnight either I mean it's going to take a while for each of these areas, each of these tribes and and their areas that they've been given um to uh you know fortify their area and uh and to also take care of it you know as as the, as it was given to the mother Lord.
1: Indeed, indeed, brother. Well, here we are. we're approaching the uh, very end of the show. Last final words are all yours uh, on whatever you want to tell the people about as we finish up our program today.
0: Yeah, you know, all of these are inheritances uh, for each of the tribes and it, and it should remind us of our inheritance even today. you know we when we look at what is our inheritance as an heir of the family of God, you know what are we promised we are promised all the wonderful eternal gifts that Christ has won for us especially that of salvation uh through god's grace but you know by faith and that same gift of faith that he gives to us that uh, holds on to not just the salvation that is promised but that salvation includes the eternal life uh, that we have in the presence of our Lord forever in a, in a, in, a, in the promised land in the new Jerusalem in in uh, in the place where he has prepared in advance for us to come and to live with him forever.
1: Well I think that's a great word to end the program on. Just real quick before we wrap it up though, do you know the Reverend Keith Lynch of Grace Lutheran Church in Naples, Florida? I know him well. All right. Well, he is our guest tomorrow as we cover chapters 20 and 21. But before I get into a summary of that, I just want to thank the Reverend Dr. Curtis Dieterding, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Thanks, Pastor, for being on the show. You did great, even though you studied the wrong text, but that happens, (laughs) and I'm so grateful for you. So grateful.
0: And it's it's always a joy. Thank you, and uh, God bless you as well in your work.
1: Yeah, Thank you, brother. So as I told the dear pastor, we are going to have one of his uh, comraderates, I guess. Is that a word, camaraderie? I don't know. But one of his comrades, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. And in Joshua 20, we witness the establishment of six cities of refuge strategically located throughout the land, and those are going to provide sanctuary for those who accidentally took another's life, ensuring fair judgment and protection against avengers of blood. Then we're going to go into chapter 21, which will unveil the meticulous allocation of land to the 12 tribes of Israel, a process which is executed with unwavering precision to fulfill God's promise. Lots of stuff, I know, but it's going to be great come tomorrow for the Avengers of blood and, of course, those sanctuary cities. Uh, We're going to talk about that and more. So until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.